listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Adam Zalarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is episode 12 of the Past the Forecast podcast. And let's just take a quick jaunt around the globe and see what the temperature and weather conditions are like in Hamburg, Germany. Something a little bit different right now. Hamburg, Germany. Uh, we, we thought we'd integrate this a little bit. Maybe think about what weather is somewhere else. And and we randomly chose Hamburg. We literally looked on our phones. The first city that popped up in a random search was Hamburg. And the temperature, not all that different from where we are right now. 57 degrees was the temperature uh, that's going to be pretty close to their high for the day. And uh, they got uh, sunny skies. So Pretty similar to what we're feeling here in the Summit City today. Yeah, our temperature is currently sitting at 52, and that's going to be our high right around the upper upper 50s, near 60 degrees. So With the sunshine. Hamburg, Germany, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Not really exactly what we were planning on this to be. Uh, in terms of exploring different types of weather in different parts of the world, uh, but it's pretty much the same. Yeah, we, were <laughs> <laughs> we actually tried a few different cities, and they all have very similar weather, so we said, forget it, we'll do something different next time. But something we're trying to integrate, try something a little bit different. Uh, Adam, we're back. Yes, we are. Week after week. Grinding away. Trying to, trying to, still. With very little going on in the world, we are 12 podcasts deep it's becoming reality yes it's become reality that we are still going to do this podcast here at wayne but then much of the rest of the work we're doing is done in some sort of different way yes you still see us on tv on the weekends and we limit how much we can interact with the rest of the station during the week as we've been reporting from home if you've been watching wayne 15 you see that we're appearing on the newscasts with our living room TV next to us. Um, it's a little bit different. I like it at this point. It makes me feel more comfortable that we are expressing that social distancing. Just trying to limit time in the building and potential exposure. It's just, it's be, it was this unthinkable thing. It was unthinkable. And now we're here, we're in the month of May, and this is the reality. And this is what we have going on. There is a plan to get back on track, as Governor Holcomb says, here in Indiana. Uh, but across the country, everybody's in a little, little bit different uh, terms of phases that they are and getting closer and closer to trying to get back to some sense of normalcy. We still got time that we got to work through, though. Right. And that's why we're still going to be doing the things we have been doing for the foreseeable future until things start to really crank back to normal. We got to get back there. Yes, we do. We got to get back. I miss so. sports. I keep seeing tweets on like this day and things like that. That's the biggest thing for me. I, I, I'm okay with sports with no fans. Absolutely, and I think NASCAR. I'm not. I'm not a big NASCAR guy at all. You but will become a big NASCAR you might, fan. We got you might what, have another to be. week, and then NASCAR is going to be the only sport back. On, I think May seventeenth. That sounds right. You got you got NASCAR. You've got the Tiger Woods, Phil oh, Mickelson. Yeah, that, Tom, Tom Brady. Brady, Peyton Manning, golf thing that's supposed to happen at some point this month. I know that's not PGA Tour golf, but that that should be entertaining. UFC is still going around. Unfortunately, that uh, that doesn't interest me. But yeah. I'm just letting you know what what's going on. Uh, Korean baseball. If you I've seen wake that up at 5 a.m. Korean seen, baseball league is going. I've seen some of that stuff. Or KBO. I think it's Korean baseball organization. That's what I think it is. Man, it's just. 
There's I was ready to for get your sports fix, though. I was ready for baseball this year. I was really ready for baseball. This we'll was going to be there. a big year for us on the south side of Chicago, man. Okay. This was going to be a big Let's year. This was the out. year. This was not the year that we were going to win the World Series, but this was the year that we were going to show. I forget that, you're a Sox fan. That it's happening. That the rebuild is happening, and we're going to show it to those North Siders. Like, oh, they did this great thing. They broke their curse on the North Side. Cubbies back in 2016. You know what? It's White Sox time again, and this was going to be the year that we were going to show show that we've got something cooking. I'll tell you the same thing I tell Drew Bogues, one of our producers here, who is a massive White Sox fan. Be careful getting your hopes up. You appear to have a good team. You've made trades. You've made signings of free agents that appear to be solid signings. As a Detroit Tigers fan who went through this for about 10 years of supposedly having the team that's supposed to break through and then ultimately ending up short and getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs easily, multiple times, sometimes not even making the playoffs, just temper your expectations. Yeah, it just goes to show you how hard it is to win a world championship in any sport. And then that alludes right back to what we're seeing on Sunday nights, what the Bulls did in the 90s. I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible, and I think... That kind of domination is hard to come by. Well, you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and yes. I've given you some some backhanded comments in the past because of it, um, just because. I do enjoy Penguins hockey. We talk about it a lot. Think about just a back-to-back. Just a back-to-back. It's like now you really realize how special even that is or how special three Stanley Cups in a seven-year period for the Hawks was, the Blackhawks, yet... That still wasn't as good as two three-peats. So how hard is it to really win a world championship at one side of it, and how good are the teams that do it time after time after time after time? There's a formula that they strike, and as long as you can keep that formula going, you, you can do well. But Here's a question. I have a question. Catch up. This is not a sports po- podcast. No, I, I know that. But, but think about this. Tiger Woods yes. or Jack Nicklaus, I don't care which side you're on, the best two golfers of all time. Have to be, right? Yeah. Per, per the numbers. What, whatever you think is the better one. I mean, one's got more majors. One has been more dominant in a time where the argument is that the field has been better. Um, how, how do those two compare to, say, the 1990s Bulls? So two three-peats, right? I think the word dynasty is an understatement for the 90s Bulls. How does a Tiger Woods compare to that? Someone who was so dominant in the late 90s and really much the 2000s. You know what I'm saying? There's only two athletes that you could say were that are on a different level, in my opinion, than anybody else in their sport, and that's Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. So I'd say they're very Agreed. comparable. Agreed. It's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about it because it's an individual sport You've got a caddy there, but it's very much an individual sport versus a team sport that, when watching a lot of this stuff, was also very much individualized of how good Michael was. So enough of the sports talk. Enough we're, of the sports we'll talk. transition to the little thing we did sports adjacent. We did our weather phenomenon That's draft. Right. That's right. We, we had a draft last week. And the results came in. We posted our teams. My team was led off by Thunder Snow. That was my number one overall pick. I think that, that was a, a heavy weight that helped me get the victory 58 percent to 42 percent the solarzic supercells pulled it out i'm not surprised and i think i said at the end of the last podcast we put the poll up 
Thank you to everyone who voted. The interaction is awesome. Yes, it is. As we're trying to keep this thing rolling here and keep increasing our, our listenership. Um, I wasn't surprised last week. As I said, you had Thundersnow, you had Derecho, and you also had Hurricanes. Those three are common terms for the average person at home. Now, you did have the other two, which were a little out there, the Chinook Winds and... Kelvin Hemholtz. That's right, that's right. Waves. The Hemholtz Waves. Those two, I, the average guy on the watching us doesn't know that, average guy, gal, whoever, not, does not realize what those terms are. But for us, for my side of it, I had a little... Extra. Lake Effect so Snow, you, you know. Are you criticizing my team for being too generic? No, not being too generic. You just had terms of awesome weather phenomenon that three of which were a bit more known to a lot of the viewers that I think made it that made it a little bit easier for you to win. I don't know whether or not I'm offended or it's not an offended comment. It's it, like I said, <laughs> when I looked at my numbers afterwards, when I looked at not my numbers, my my picks. I said it to you. I said, I'm not sure this is going to work because I had mesoscale convective systems. At home, you know that as a strong cluster of storms or maybe at times a bow echo or something like that. I had lenticular clouds, which you don't know what those are from cloud to cloud unless we gave you that description and, and then maybe you saw them or looked them up. I also had like effect snow, which I thought would work in my favor. I had gravity waves. You had a good showing for the terms that you had. Gravity 42%, waves. Two percent. Yeah. Gravity waves were another one where <laughs> you're trying to describe something that happens so little, but yet is so awesome to us meteorologists. I'm not surprised. I believe. I believe hurricanes did it for you. Hurricanes and thunder snow. The average weather fan, weather fanatic, is going to be like, "Oh, I know what thunder snow is. I know what hurricanes are. That's my pick." That's why you don't defer your your choice to pick first. I'm not upset though because thunder <laughs> snow was not even on my radar. I just it was a lapse. I was thinking lake effect snow the whole time, and thunder snow man. I want to experience it. We talked about it obviously in depth last week. I want it so bad. Well, you're gonna have to wait some time because uh, it's May now, my yes. friend. Yes, it is. And as we move into the first weekend. Is it the first weekend of May? Second. Second weekend of May. Second. Sorry, that just so happened that it fell right on. It's moving so right fast. On the weekend. Man. Yes. Uh, as we're starting to move into now the second weekend of May, we can also take a quick look back at the month of April. We'll start off our tracking the topics. Tracking the topics. April 2020. Significant for a lot of reasons across the country and the world. Very significant for reasons we have already covered on this podcast, severe weather. What what a month. Yeah, we've, we, we've dug in because we've had to because there have been massive outbreaks of tornadoes uh, that were hitting heavily populated areas throughout the month of April. And April 2020 is going down as the uh, fourth most tornadoes recorded during that month april 20 or of april 2020 uh they had 256 uh preliminary estimates so far as we're getting now in more deeper into may that's pretty much a locked in number it still does not compare to 2011 which was 758 which i believe is the most for 
any month on record in the U.S. That month was boosted by two, two significant outbreaks that year. I believe there was one in the middle of April, but then there was the super outbreak, April 27th, 2011, that accounted for, I believe, close to probably a quarter of those tornadoes Probably yes. in like a day, and it, it spanned over a few days. So that was what a... When you go to meteorology school, that's a day you look at. I'm trying to think about the most significant tornado that went through on that day. I keep coming back to the one that went through Tuscaloosa, which was the University of Alabama. That had to be big because of what the television station at the time. You see us on Wayne 15. We've got our weather cams. Stationed down in Birmingham had a camera in Tuscaloosa, and you can actually see this huge, violent wedge tornado moving through the University of Alabama. I mean, it was... Scary you, stuff. You go back and watch that coverage. You can find it online right now. It, it's It was incredible, and I think that's what sticks out to us because it wasn't only a lesson for us in meteorology, it was a lesson for you and I in how to handle events like this, yeah, how to keep your composure if you are relaying to people, look, this is this is bad, but you've got to find a way to talk to it. 2011 was the last year of high school for me, so I was getting ready to go into college, so I was absorbing meteorology. I already knew that that's what I wanted to study, so I had a focus on how things were being handled and how the stories afterward were being done. I I remember we had a teacher who had a student uh, or a, a, a child uh, that was down in Tuscaloosa that went to the University of Alabama, and he was there during that so for my television production workshop class i actually turned a story about that tornado and his experience i got to interview him and that was probably my first foray into uh doing weather reporting very nice very nice that 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 event is horrific we had horrific events this year too i'm glad this april was not that april but this april was tremendous the the big myth of okay populated areas can't see violent long track tornadoes if you didn't take the hint back with nashville earlier this year it was proven it was proven this this month of april frightening yeah especially through dixie alley mississippi into alabama again they had i think there were four ef4 tornadoes throughout the month that were all relatively in the same area. That was heavy stuff there, especially with what everything else is going on, too. And the thing is, we sit here and watch. We use this as our spring training, if you will. We're forecasting a lot of systems in the, over the last month and a half or two months that are some rain, some snow, maybe some rain in there, maybe some thunder, I mean, maybe a little severe weather chance that we've had time and time again. There's always the anomalous system that'll come through in April or even March, February. I mean, severe weather's on our board, don't get me wrong, but this, watching these events down in the south, gave us a opportunity to sharpen our skills, maybe to look at some forecast data, maybe to look at radar data, maybe to look at broadcasters. What are they doing? How are they handling this? To refresh our suite of tools so we know what to do because... Our severe weather season really has not started here in northeast Indiana just yet. Seasonally, it has. We've had a few events, but historically and traditionally, the worst is yet to come. Yeah, ours is usually right around 
mid to late May into June is where we typically see an uptick in our chances for these stronger, severe storms that could produce uh, tornadoes. We've already had a couple tornado warnings in our area earlier on this year. Uh, no touchdowns of tornadoes uh, confirmed, but we've had those severe warnings, as you've mentioned, and it's a nice little warm-up to get ready for what we could see. I mean, we've still got forecasted below average temperatures for the next week. Yeah, we're not, we're not getting severe weather right now with this current pattern. But a quick shift in the pattern and a rise in that subtropical jet, and we are we are in play. Yes, we, we are. are. We very much more in moisture play. in here. That's one of the key things that we're struggling with right now. But we're in play. And actually, it reminds me, we're coming up on almost a year since what was a pretty significant event, Memorial Day last year, Very one that's very close to your heart. Yes, and, and we're gonna I, we're gonna dig into it. I want to dig. Closer. I want to save the majority of it for when we get close to the anniversary. But big time tornado outbreak here, and you were working that day. It was one of the most memorable days that I've had here at Wayne, and even in my career, uh, was that Memorial Day. Like we said, we'll dig into it more, but it's just something that still sticks with me. It was a learning on the job because I'd never done anything like that before in terms of our coverage. And then the post coverage was something I will also never forget. And that those days afterwards also rank in the top five to 10 days of my career as well. Absolutely. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that when we get there. But the point is, look, it's a long tease. We've seen, we've <laughs> seen a lot so far down in the South this year. And we are now, we're warming up. The earth is tilting. The subtropical jet is rising north, and we are going to see the battleground for severe weather start shifting more towards the Great Lakes region pretty soon here. So, hope you're ready. And (laughs) I hope you're also ready if you haven't already gotten your mother something for Mother's Day. Mm. It is coming up here Mm. on Sunday. So, uh, Joe, are are you ready for Mother's Day? Well, my mother listens to this. Can't give away anything. Can't give so away I don't want to give anything away. But, Mom, I know you're listening to this. And uh, Hi, Joe's mom. Yes, hello, hello Cheryl. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. I miss you. There is something for you that uh, my sister, Sarah, will be sharing with you this weekend. I'm sorry I can't be there. And I love you. There you go. You hit all the big ones. Your turn. All right, Melissa, Mom. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Ryan and Evan and I have uh, combined for whatever gifts you may or may not be receiving. You're definitely getting something. Uh, I love you, too. Uh, Mother's Day memories, though. What? Well, obviously, we're not mothers. Uh, nope. What memories do you have of some of the gifts that you've given your mom? I don't know. You don't have anything off the top of your head that you can remember? No, because here's the thing. My mom's birthday is in June, yeah. so it's about Mother's Day's now. It's about a month apart, so it's things run together. I don't want to hear it. You have no excuse. My mom's birthday I don't, is uh, falls on Mother's Day sometimes. I'm sorry, Mom. I mean, my sister <laughs> and I come up with some things, but, uh, you know, I love my mom, and I smile, and, you know, that's a gift. I remember. <laughs> sounds terrible. I remember that we, uh, <laughs> uh, she knows you love her. That's all that's important. Uh, I remember 
the cheesy little gifts that you build in elementary school, like the, uh, okay, the puzzle yeah. frames, right, right. popsicle sticks. I also remember, we've done this several times. We haven't done it in a while. It'd be weird to do it now because I don't know if we have a, uh, enough concrete to do so. Did you ever make one of those concrete hand I don't things? know. I, I really don't know. That I, Maybe. I, you would remember if you did. Probably. It, it's, it turns into like a little paver stone that you can put out in the garden. For you s- put your hand yeah. in front of your child. I think my sister and I did something like that when we were very little, but again, I, I don't know. That's those are the two things that really stick out in my mind because we did that maybe two or three years. Maybe this is just the meteorologist in me. I remember one Mother's Day, probably twelve, thirteen years ago, maybe longer than that. It had to be longer than that. This had to be mid to late two thousands at some point. We had family over, maybe even more mid two thousands. I mean, I this this was a while ago. We had some family over. And it was a beautiful day, a beautiful Mother's Day, sunshine, playing games in the backyard. Couldn't quite swim yet because it's, How old were you again? This had to be I, – I could swim. We didn't have our pool open yet. Okay. There's a distinct difference there. We, we, usually, we usually open the, the pool around Memorial Day. So, But all of a sudden, things changed. Things changed, and our family was getting ready to leave, and we had been inside eating dessert or something, and – we go outside and the skies just got dark. And all of a sudden we had thunderstorms come rolling in. And that's another one of those experiences in my mind where I think, man, how could such a beautiful day turn into such an active day with weather? So I know it was Mother's Day. I, I can tell you it was Mother's Day. But I remember actually the weather from that Mother's Day more than I remember whatever. Any gift that you've ever given your mom. You remember weather. Well, we get things. for My sister and I come together and we get some small things, sometimes uh, some trinket type things, or mm-hmm. maybe something for her desk at work. Love you, mops. You know, some little keepsake things, things to where she can have it. Like I said, at work or maybe on her dresser, stuff like that. Uh, mostly, that's that's always been kind of the go-to. My dad for Father's Day, he doesn't ever want anything. So, let's go out <laughs> golfing with him. That's right. That's right. So, I, I don't know. I, this sounds again. This sounds terrible, but it's not something I always thought about. It's like we get something, we split the cost, and then we got her a necklace one year. I do know that. Now you're remembering. We got her a necklace, and I think she's still been wearing it around for a while. I don't know if this is true. Mom, I know you're listening. Maybe you could call me later, but I think we had a necklace. I thought somehow we got it to where my sister and I, both our birthstones were in it or something like that. I, I don't That's know. That's a traditional gift. Yeah, I, I, we, we've, like I said. I, we've done similar things. I really don't know. I, I, <laughs> this is terrible. But So Joe remembers weather events from Mother's Day. A little bit, but not a lot. And I remember distinct gifts. I just never really thought about it. I mean, I couldn't tell you what I got my sister for her birthday. I couldn't tell you. I don't remember things. I really don't. And maybe that's a good thing because when they throw it away the next day because they didn't like it, I don't remember. <laughs> but I, There's a silver lining. Yeah, I, I, I do remember. I do remember one Mother's Day. We had some ugly weather. I'm sure there was Mother's Day. There, there had to be Mother's Day that fell... On the weekend, or maybe we were celebrating with other family on the weekend, getting together, where I was playing baseball. There had to be there had to be days like that. But also my mom's birthday, which is in the first week of June. So I don't know. I just <laughs> I'm drawing blanks here. But I think basically what I said generally were the thoughts there. As long as you love your mother, that's that's all that matters. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. As long as she knows that. She knows that. Well, that's good. Make sure you get something though. You have day, your days are. My mother's a te- my mother's a teacher. 
Yesterday was National Teacher Appreciation Day. You better believe I reached out to her and, and thanked her for her educational skills. Especially right now. Yes, yes. So that, yes. Well, thank her for me as well. <laughs> no, she's not your mom. I know I'm not for oh, Mother's teacher. Day for teachers. <laughs> We're having too Come much on, fun. Joe. We're having too much fun today. <laughs> uh, so Mother's Day's coming up in a few days. Hopefully, all the mothers out there have a fantastic day. What the hell? What the hell is going on in the sky, Joe? This is incredible. This is unreal. This is unfathomable, uncomfortable, and it's got me feeling a little weird. So. You may have seen it if you've been on social media uh, at all. Uh, UFOs have been a trending topic recently as the Pentagon released official video that was supposedly leaked and they wanted to show that it was not faked of some kind of object in the sky that some jets and, and military planes were tracking and they have video of this blob zipping along that quickly dispersed once they realized that there were some Navy jets on their tail. What, what do you make of this? I don't know. I don't know what to think because I've always been like a UFO denier. been like, yeah, whatever. You see some of those specials that have been on TV where they're like UFO tales, UFO sighting stuff like that and i've always just kind of laughed it off and my my go-to as i think a lot of people have said oh it's just our military and honestly it could ju- not just be our military it could be anybody's um, military right and i think the, the one thought has always been you know what if they're doing something up there if our air force or our navy whoever our navy whatever is doing whatever they're doing you know what it's for the betterment of the safety of the country i don't need to know about it that's kind of been my opinion. You're in a need-to-know basis. But this is this is different because this is now the Pentagon saying, what was that? They don't know what it is. Hey, we got, we unidentified. Are, we are classifying this as unidentified. An which... unidentified flying object. <laughs> so now there's confirmed UFOs. Well, depends on what you classify a UFO. Obviously, unidentified flying object could be anything. But obviously, people jump on to the aliens on earth now or at least visited who knows well like you said i mean (laughs) what's the odds this is an aircraft from maybe another country's armed forces or a private company's aircraft you know what i mean like it's fun to speculate speculate though i mean what i don't know like i said so you're not a an alien believer no Absolutely not. I'm not an alien believer, but I do wonder what this is. You've seen a lot in the last year, the the Area 51 stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can type Area 51 into Google and what Give always our aliens. What always comes up is the the um and I haven't done a lot of research into this at all cuz again, I'm just like whatever, but it's a, I think it's called a Groom Lake. It was a there's a It's a it's like a military base or something in Nevada, right? And people were saying they wanted to storm this place last year and all this. It was Storm Area Fifty One, yeah. It was and social that's, media, and campaign. that's what they were talking about that area, yeah. right? If it's a military base, you're not supposed to be there. So whatever they're doing there, as an American citizen, I believe is for the protection of the country. I, I don't know. I just feel like I don't want awful to, trusting. 
Well, I don't. I don't. I, I feel as though. I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, 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 no. And I, and I feel like. I'm bumping the mic again. Um, you do not like sitting in that seat. No, I you just hit the feel, mic too many times. I just don't know what those videos show. Again, we looked at them. They're declassified. They're out there. You find them on YouTube. I I don't know what they show. It's very interesting that the Pentagon is saying they're unidentified. But there's been people posting stuff in the last year, like we said, that whole Area 51 thing that I chose to very much ignore, <laughs> who would be out there and they would have a video of a jet or something over that area, over that region. And it's like, okay, it's a military base. I mean, you're going to have jets, right? I don't know. I just I refuse to. I refuse to go into that mindset. And this is opening up a whole can of worms that I don't really want to talk about. But what is your opinion? I mean, I don't think they're necessarily alien. They're unidentified. It's fun to speculate, like I said earlier, that maybe it was. I guess what makes this interesting in terms of the speculation is I'm referring to Area 51, something that happens that is allegedly whatever. Why we're talking about this stuff. It's something that happens in the country. It's in the United States, right? Or that's what that Nevada... Again, I haven't looked into this a lot, but the place in Nevada people are... We're all up in arms about. That's that's in the country. These videos were not in the country of these UFOs, if you will. They were over an ocean. Now, we don't know what ocean, but they were saying that they're outside of our country. So maybe that's the difference that I have to make mentally to think about this, is it's not necessarily... Our country's, you know, military jet or whatever that you may see over a military testing base. But maybe it's this is something else they saw. I don't know. I Like I said, I, I'm, I'm talking in circles here because I just don't. You don't know how to comprehend this. I don't really. Because you're you're are you afraid that it could be aliens? No, no, I'm refusing to believe that it's aliens. I, I but believe, what if it is, Joe? I'm putting on my tinfoil hat. I mean, where, where would the where would the aliens be right now? That's the whole question. Where did they go? Are they living amongst us? Well, now you're just getting crazy. I, no. I told you I put on my tinfoil hat. No, 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 no. We're not going down this road. Uh, <laughs> the, the military. The, the, I I'm gonna say this was uh, some other nation was doing something with their aeronautics, maybe trying to test some sort of drone or something you know something along the lines of that and we just happen to see it and that's the most reasonable answer that's what i got so that's why what you're go with. they're saying it's unidentified that's the concerning part that's the scary part but i i don't know well let's just move on to hits and misses hits and misses you sir had a phenomenal hit on Saturday. Thank you. Followed it up with a mediocre miss on Sunday. You made a good adjustment up from where I was. You know what? It didn't turn out as bad as I thought it might. It could have been, yes. It could have been. And that's one of those things where you're just hoping. I mean, we're talking about three-degree miss. In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that bad. No, it's not. But Saturday was a gem. Saturday... I've never seen you so stoked about a forecast before. You were literally counting degrees throughout the afternoon. I was refreshing the observation page online probably every three minutes through the afternoon. So Joe went a little bit warmer than the models, (laughs) and 
He was. Uh, you were the only person that went eighty degrees I on can't, Saturday. I can't morning? say that for certain, but a few of the other sources I looked at did not have uh, did not go up to eighty. Yes, and we hit eighty-two. Correct. And that was the first time since October second of last year. And it's actually not all that far off from where we typically have our first eighty-degree day. It was only a week later. It's actually late. Yeah. It's, but it's only a week later. Right. Considering the cold pattern that we've been in, to be only a week late from our typical first 80, I don't think that's bad. I I talked to our chief meteorologist, Nicholas Ferreri, Friday afternoon. He had 75 and had said there's a chance that we exceed that. But given the data that he saw, maybe mid to upper 70s somewhere. I went home, looked at all the data, because a lot of times Friday night, I'll take a you know, 10, 15-minute look at just what we're looking at, and everything that he had said was absolutely true. Everything was going mid to upper 70s, 75, good call, may get a couple of degrees warmer. Well, a couple hours later, I looked at one of our high-resolution models, and it said 80. And I texted you, Adam, and I said, oh my, we might need to do this, and I was just... So excited because I didn't have my mind made up yet, made up yet, but there was a couple things I needed to see, you know, 10 hours later when I came in Saturday morning that were going to get me to do this. And, uh, a lot of our high resolution models kept going up with it. So I said, what the, what the heck, man, let's do it. And it was a great call because we hit 82. What the hail, man. <laughs> let's do it. Then, uh, then Sunday came along on Saturday night. I forecasted 70 following your 70 you had on Saturday morning, the thinking was that we are going to have clouds for a good part of the day on Sunday because we had another system sliding in. Yeah, now this is another one that was challenging because you saw the same thing Saturday night. Yeah. There were some signs that there could be some clearing on uh, one or two models in the morning, but one or two models after consistently showing clouds isn't going to make or break the forecast in terms of changing your mind. Right, you had a weather system passing to the south, so we thought the cloud cover from that would stick around longer, and then you had a secondary wave coming in from the west. So if there was any clearing for an hour or two, we thought it would recover pretty quickly back to cloudy, or at least mostly cloudy skies, maybe some sunshine, but not enough there to really see a overperforming day like we saw the day before. Yeah. So you had 70, I went up to 72, high-res models got a little warmer, I saw satellite trends that were indicating we were going to be a lot clearer in the morning. That morning round had cleared. And that wave out west took its time to get back here. We also had dry air closer to the surface. We had dry air closer to the surface. We had low dew points. So that was eating any moisture up that was there. And then we really had to wait for that next wave to come in to saturate further with cloud cover. Um, To our credit, it happened. We were overcast as could be mid to late afternoon, Sunday, all the way into the evening hours. Even some scattered showers. Even a few scattered showers. So we verified. But because we didn't get the cloud cover as early as we hoped or it didn't stick around as long as we hoped in the morning, my 72 actually got swept off the map for a 75. Which most of us were dry on Sunday. And three quarters of the day were sunny. I don't think too many people were complaining. No. But if we sat there and we said you're going to see little in terms of sun in the morning, maybe some some of it in the mid or uh, in the mid part of the day, into early afternoon, and then clouds again, a few showers in the evening. 
you, you may have been trying to get to that sunshine in the mid part of the day. You could have had it earlier, too. You had it all morning. Yeah. So that's just one of the challenges. And, and going back to the point about the Saturday forecast, everything Nicholas had Friday supported mid to upper 70s. But then by the time I got in, the, the amount of southerly influence that we saw we were going to have had increased in the data and just in the forecast perception. That's how fast things change. That's how fast you can get a swell from, all right, mid to upper 70s to low 80s because the data just changes like that sometimes, and that's one of the challenges of being a meteorologist. Look, I'm in Nicholas's shoes Friday night. I'm seeing a forecast that includes mid to upper 70s and some sunshine for Saturday, and I'm seeing cloudy skies on Sunday. Then I come in, and I see a similar trend, a little warmer Saturday, but a similar trend. You're in my shoes Saturday morning. You see the same thing. You made your adjustments for Sunday, and then all of a sudden, the storm system goes further south, and it clears out a lot faster. It's just one of those things where it's like, man, we could have a conversation like I had with Nicholas Friday night, and things can change drastically in a 24-hour period. And that's one of the struggles. I was talking to Nicholas about it the other day. It's like you just – you're not always going to win in this, mate, in, this, in this field. No, you're not. And it all comes down to data – which is the focus of our Pass the Forecast Inbox question. It's the Pass the Forecast Inbox. So Tyler wants to know, how do we get weather data high up in the atmosphere? We know how we get it with sensors down at the surface, but how do we get it higher up in the atmosphere? That's a great question. That's a fantastic, that's an A-plus question. Thank you, Tyler. How do we do it, Adam? We have multiple sources for upper air observations. We've mentioned it before. Uh, airplanes have sensors on them. And but ours. the main source of data that we get two times a day, in the morning and in the evening, are weather balloons launched at National Weather Service sites. Not all of them launch them, but specific sites launch them across the country uh, in the morning and the evening, and they're also launched on other parts of the globe. Those weather balloons fill up to massive sizes as they continue to climb up. And on the end of that is a long string that has a box on it, a radio sound, that tracks, has GPS in it, so it can track wind speed and direction, where it's going, has temperature data, humidity, all going up there. So we can get a vertical profile of conditions throughout the that layer of the atmosphere and then eventually that balloon pops the radio sound has a parachute on it as it gently falls back to earth and if you find one of these there's a little thing that says send it back to the national weather service so they can reuse it sometimes people keep them sometimes they fall into the ocean and they'll never be recovered so any thoughts on that yeah it just it's a challenge for us as forecasters because we might be talking about mid to upper level moisture. All right, we're seeing sunshine right now, Adam, but some mid-level moisture is going to increase our clouds later on today. Sometimes it's such a big part of our weather story. Adam, it's super, super foggy here at the surface, but it's so dry aloft that it's sunny 3,000 feet up. We're going to see that clear out later on today. We'll have sunshine trying to describe to people 
that there is a 3D element of the atmosphere. It's something I had to grasp because we think of weather at the surface. Yeah, X and uh, the X and Y plane, but then you got to go through the Z plane, so straight up. Exactly. We 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 think about it. We think about it at the surface. What's happening right now? It's sunny. But what's happening 5,000 feet up? Well, temperatures up there are a lot cooler, and there could be an increase in moisture right now. Winds are at a different direction. That's one of the biggest challenges is it's not so much what happens here at the surface as our weather comes from the entire vertical profile working in unison. We also have to look a little bit further to the west, too, whenever these soundings, is what they're called, come in to get an idea on what the vertical profile of the air in central Illinois is like. So we know that that could be moving into our area. That's a good way to put it. Because people ask, how do you know this is going to happen? Well, if, if we've got a dry atmosphere here and sunny the whole way up, no clouds, but out in Lincoln, Illinois, and in Davenport, Iowa, they've got a very moist profile, and the winds are moving west to east, you can expect we're going to have more moisture in our region, thus maybe some cloud cover coming later on in the day. It's all fascinating how it works. It goes into these supercomputers, and all that data, the surface observations, the the upper air observations, go into these supercomputers that feed us our weather models that we rely on. What we have to remember as forecasters, and one thing that I really, really need to remember, is when I'm issuing a forecast or I'm putting together a forecast, it's not that we're starting at X and time hasn't started yet. In the hour that I'm doing a forecast, data could be changing. It's a constant motion. And, and once you start to understand that principle that it's a constant flow of weather data and things are constantly happening, I think it helps you put the story together better. Because when I first started out forecasting, it was, okay, I go on the air tonight at 9 o'clock at NewsLink at Ball State. I'm forecasting at maybe 5, 6 o'clock, way early in the shift because I have other things to do, just as we do here. But I, wouldn't, I would be treating it as nothing's happening right now. What is my forecast going to be here on out? But when you realize it's a fluid, it's a motion that never stops, I think it helps you put things together. We're constantly making adjustments to the forecast. For instance, like I said, the satellite data. Everything had cloud cover around Saturday morning. But if you look at a satellite data, which is the current thing that's happening, in that one-hour time that I was forecasting, we went from cloudy to nothing. Now casting. Now casting. It's a constant motion. Things can be changing as you're putting together your forecast. And once once you grasp that things get a lot more accurate. So there's your answer for how we get the data higher up in the atmosphere. It's a combination of things, and mainly those weather balloons. You enjoy the weather today? It's not bad. It's a little chilly. I know we were forecasting for today. We thought the system that moved through yesterday and overnight would keep the clouds around today a little bit longer. So we get a nice rebound in temperatures both today and tomorrow. still below average. We're pushing closer and closer to 70, so that's what I'm okay with. We'll get back to it. I mean, we got 80, man. 80. I want that back. It was beautiful over the weekend. Hopefully, you and your mothers have a great Mother's Day weekend. Otherwise, we'll see you next time as we try and be 36% right about the weather this week. This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.